Welcome to this edition of Doctors in the House. The Columbus Medical Association is thrilled to have two CMA members who are members of the Ohio General Assembly. And in this series, we will talk about what their experiences are as physician legislators, as well as the policy issues of the day. In this episode, we'll be talking to Dr. Beth Liston. Dr. Liston represents the 8th Ohio House District, and Dr. Liston is a hospitalist at Ohio State University and Nationwide Children's Hospital. Dr. Liston, thank you for your time today. We wanted to check in on a number of, of issues. We'd be interested in your thoughts uh, about what you're hearing about the budget in the Senate. And if I understand the schedule correctly, you'll be having the chance to, to consider what the Senate's version is and whether you guys are going to agree or have a conference committee uh, later on uh, in the next week or so. Yeah, it, that budget's over in the Senate. I honestly haven't. Um focused a lot. I think the issues they're hearing about are the same as those we heard about in the House, especially um, with regard to Medicaid and making sure that providers get what um, is needed in order to care for people in our state. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of provisions that were in the governor's budget that may or may not continue, but, you know, we'll see. Um, I don't like to predict until the bill actually gets formed because it changes all the time. But what I understand is that it's likely to come back to the House that week of the 14th. Um, We have to pass it by the end of June. And what pass it typically means is it, you know, it would come out of the Senate and back to the House and the House would get to say whether we agreed or not with the changes. And typically the House does not agree, which then opens sort of a negotiation in what's called conference committee between the House and the Senate. And once the negotiators on that conference committee have come to an agreement, that's when it'll go back to the chambers. So I think that's the June 14th will the House will get to say, no, we disagree. Um, Let's create a conference committee. And then we have to have that compromise bill by the end of June. So we're actually scheduled to be in session like every day in June, uh, every day in that last week of June, um, because it's never quite clear when that's going to happen. And if the if the Senate uh, continues on, I think the budget is somewhere in the neighborhood of five thousand pages long. So you'll have plenty of things to negotiate about. So good, <laughs> good, good luck with uh, with that process. The legislature has been spending a lot of time uh, recently uh, working on issues related to how the the process for how the Ohio Constitution might be changed, um, and has actually taken action now to put forth a special election for this August. And I wondered if you would want to talk a little bit about those issues and and your feelings about that whole process. Yeah, so we have a special election in August, August 8th. So everyone keep that on their calendar. Um, And it is about how citizens and people in the state are able to impact the Constitution. Um, You know, right now, there's a pretty tough process by which um, people can come together and change the law if they don't feel like they're being represented. And I think that Ohio has had some gerrymandering, um, which has made it so that people really have wanted to use uh, their voice in coming together and changing the Constitution. And right now, they have to you know, gather hundreds of thousands of signatures and um, in order to put something on the ballot and then put it to the people for a vote and the majority um, decides what happens to that constitutional amendment. Um, What has been put forth 
and passed with only Republican votes um, is that citizens would no longer be able to do that with a majority vote, that it would require 60% of people to agree on an issue before any changes were made. So if 40% of people um, have a strong feeling their voice would override that 60% um, should this bill pass August 8th. Um, it also makes it much harder in a lot of other um, technical ways to even get something on the ballot. So I feel pretty strongly that everyone should vote no on August 8th because you're voting away um, your rights as a citizen in Ohio to um, change the law and to make sure that the majority of people are represented. Um, so that's coming up August 8th. It was done because, I mean, the people that uh, put this up as an um, as an amendment to the Constitution and put it forth, did it somewhat because we expect low turnout. That's a kind of an odd time to have elections. And unfortunately, that means a minority might decide this if we don't make sure everyone gets out. And it was also done because um, there's a group of people that know that there will be reproductive rights on the ballot as a constitutional amendment in November. And they don't want the majority of Ohioans to. Um, be able to pass that amendment. They want to make sure that it it has a really high threshold um, to to uh, protect uh, individual reproductive decision making. So there's a lot that went into it, but suffice to say, August eighth, there's an election, and if you vote no, you're protecting your voice in making sure that you can change the constitution um, as a whole. Thanks for the chance to help people understand what's behind the August election and the details of it and its potential impact that go beyond the, the election itself. There'll be some opportunity for, for more information sharing about that um, as, as we go forward. I wondered, A, you serve, in addition to the budget and, and this election bill, there are still some other kind of quote-unquote uh, more regular work of the legislature going on. You serve on the Health Policy Committee uh, and other health-related committees. Are there any particular bills that have been getting some attention that are on your radar screen in, in those areas? Well, I would love to talk about all of the great bills that we were working on to help improve access to care. Um, but I would say that in my committee, the Public Health Policy Committee, most of our hearings have been about um, prohibiting uh, gender affirming care for transgender youth. And that has been um, very contentious. And I would say the medical community has very strongly as um, organizations come out against bills like this, um, supporting the, the best evidence-based practices towards treating transgender youth, which include gender affirming care. Um, and so this one, unfortunately has been getting a lot of noise because it's been one of those um, scare tactic culture wars. It says, you know, hey, people are doing these crazy things to young people. And really what it would do if it were to pass is prohibit doctors from working with patients and their parents in deciding how to apply evidence-based practice to their mental health issues, to their gender dysphoria, um, and to their gender identity. 
So that's been a lot of time. And I think um, there's a lot of danger to the practice of medicine in general as that sort of legislative creep continues where the state legislature um, uses ideology to inhibit and impact medical practice, which I find scary. Bills like that tend to take a lot of the oxygen out of the room, so to speak, right? And doesn't leave a lot of room for other other issues to get discussed. Are there any other bills, um, you know, before we wrap up today that you'd like to just uh, to raise up that are on your radar screen, maybe outside of healthcare directly? Yeah, well, let me mention one other bill because I think it's of interest. And then I'm going to talk about um the I think one of the biggest ones on my mind, but there is a bill that creates a mid-level provider um, space, like an advanced practitioner in the um, counseling space, and that had a first hearing, and and I think that there's a lot of um, strong feelings on either side of whether this is a good thing to do to add another mid-level practitioner. Um, so I'll just I, I'll put that out there as a space to to watch, um, especially if, if you do um, mental health care, um, which most most doctors do at some point, um, and especially if you have strong feelings in the mid level provider space. But the bill that I'm really watching and I'm concerned about as it impacts Ohio is uh, Senate Bill 83. And there's a House version, but I think it's going to be the Senate version that moves. And that's the one that deals with higher education. Um, you probably, if you follow State House News at all, you might have seen something about it. It restricts universities from doing anything with uh, diversity, equity, inclusion requirements. It restricts universities from having any specific race or gender or ethnicity type group. So, you know, if you had an Asian American pre-med students that wanted to form a group, it would be restricted because it's a specific, um, you know, type of student and that would be viewed as discriminatory. It requires all courses to teach both sides of controversial topics. So famously, you'll see quotes of people talking about how both sides of the Holocaust are likely to be required in um, and I put that in air quotes, please realize I do not believe there are two sides that are in, appropriate to teach of the Holocaust, but this bill would do that type of thing um, for climate change, for, you know, any, I, I would even imagine that if you're talking about vaccines, they would view that as a controversial topic that would require both sides being taught. Um, and I, I think it's incredibly dangerous to Ohio's um, higher education and our ability to maintain the excellence that we have in this state with all of the universities. Um, and certainly I'm, that passed the Senate and I'm really concerned about it in um, overall. So while I don't see that as moving quickly in the next couple of weeks, I think it's really critical for all those of us that care about education and anyone for everybody um, to to keep an eye out for this bill and make sure that their voice is heard about it because I, I just think it's going to be so harmful to universities and education. Yeah, thank you for bringing that one up. I've I've heard discussions about you. You made a reference to to vaccines. I've heard discussions to what it means potentially for medical education and you know who gets to decide what are quote unquote both sides of an issue and and how does that get applied and what's going to be required to be taught regardless of the underlying science um so certainly something that we hope that there's a 
you know, at a minimum, a conscious choice about by the legislature and not some broad brush strokes that that end up with lots of unintended consequences, kind of regardless of how you feel about some of the issues. So thanks for your time today. Um, we look forward to keeping in touch and we appreciate your perspective on key bills that, as you see it, from your position in the legislature. Thank you again. Thanks for doing this, Malcolm. And thanks everyone for listening. And I'm happy for more doctors to get involved. <laughs> doctors in the House is a podcast produced by the Columbus Medical Association. You can stay up to date on our advocacy efforts at columbusmedicalassociation.org slash advocacy.